Welcome back to Disciplology, a podcast where we talk about all things discipleship. Mary and Chris, we have yet another special guest with us, but today might be the specialist of special guests we've had. Uh, he helped start this thing. So listeners, you might be hearing his voice and recognizing it, uh, but we have viewers now. We have thousands of viewers that, that get to watch our faces as we talk to you. Michael Kelly is joining us. Michael, welcome back home. Thank you. Thank you. That's, that's a wonderfully flowery introduction <laughs> to be able to be here. Uh, and but perhaps I should have worn a different shirt. I don't know. I, because now I like it's just, that shirt. Thank you. Thank you. It, it, was a hard, it was a hard choice this morning. <laughs> so at the beginning of all of this, we started talking about discipleship and why discipleship is important. Um, talk to us how the, the beginning of this all got going and, and why, why it's a big deal. So that it really started with just conversations like that uh, of, of just recognizing the thing that, you know, every, every Christian should recognize that discipleship is really what our lives ought to be built around, regardless of what you do vocationally or, you know, what your commute time is like or where you shop at the grocery store, all those things, how many kids you have, that regardless uh, what all those circumstances are, that really all of us are meant to be making disciples as we're going along. And so we wanted to have uh, a forum in which we could talk not just about philosophically how discipleship happens and why it's important, but we wanted to find uh, a way to showcase all the different ways that this broad assignment that we get from Jesus can actually be accomplished. Um, because churches have all different kinds of contexts and people within those churches have all different kinds of contexts. Right. And so we, we really did. We wanted to showcase the variety of how everybody can fit under that umbrella of what Jesus is calling us to do. Uh, and so that's, that's why, we started, why we started doing it. That's right. So you started with uh, creating a discipleship pathway, which is an ebook that we'll give you for free. Um, and it, it really breaks down the pathway that we should all be walking down. Um, and now we've got a second volume, Walking the, the Discipleship Pathway. Explain to us why uh, it's a walking metaphor. Yeah. yeah. It's, so both of those volumes are really built on that metaphor. The discipleship is, is about walking. So it's not uh, static, it's dynamic, it's meant to be a process that you're always moving forward. And it's walking in a sense that you really never get to the end. So even if you've been a Christian for 30 or 40 years, I mean, this is, this is one of the realities about what it means to follow Jesus, is there's always, always a next step that you can take until literally you don't, you don't take any steps anymore because you are with Jesus. So we wanted to build the, the whole philosophy of what we're talking about around that metaphor that there's always a next step that you can take. And so the first volume was really philosophical. So we, we wanted it to be intentionally broad uh, to help church leaders in particular have some, some handholds or some talking points with their people about this is the philosophy that we want to have about discipleship. Uh, and, and we think it was really, really helpful. But one of the pieces of feedback that we got when it uh, when we, when we thought it was helpful, we, yeah. we, we did, and, and, and by God's <laughs> grace, maybe it was. I'll, but there was feedback, as there should be in all such things, and the feedback was, "This is really helpful." What would also be helpful is if you could talk about how this practically works itself out mm -hmm. in a church context. How does this work with training leaders? How does it work with 
the way that we do Sunday school classes or small groups. Um, so all those different pieces like that. And so, you know, we created the first volume, the second volume, we want to stay with the, the, with the same metaphor. So now that you have in your mind what a discipleship pathway looks like, how do you actually start putting feet on the path, both as a church leader and then helping other people do that too? In the second book, you guys address drift that was happening in discipleship. I think you, know, you wrote it kind of at the beginning of the pandemic, and it felt like that people were drifting from personal discipleship, but especially from the group experience. Um, what kind of advice would you give churches as now they're thinking about, you know, we're getting into the fall, we'd love for groups to start back, we would love to get people back into the rhythms of discipleship within groups. What kind of advice would you give them on, on how to do that? I, I think the first thing that I would say is you, you really do need to understand that it is a rhythm. So this is one of, one of the, and there are many, but this is one of the unfortunate things about this, this last season of time that we've been in, is that when we began to stop meeting corporately together as churches, which were, you know, this is not the forum for us to talk about, you know, all the, all the, the, the different dynamics behind that, it, but it was a thing and it, and it happened. What we essentially did was we, we created an environment where, where people got out of the rhythm of actually being present at church. Now, I know that sounds like a no-brainer kind of thing to say, but it doesn't take that long for an actual habit to form. And it takes even less time for a habit to be broken. So I think it's important for church leaders, now that we're, we're sort of regathering here together, and I know a lot of people are looking to the, to the fall, that that's the main time when we're really going to kick things off. I think it is important to recognize that we are reforming habits in, in people. Having that as, as just a point of recognition in your mind, I think helps us treat ourselves and our people with a little bit more grace, which seems like it's going to be very important right. um, to, to understand, okay, we've got to like reform the synapses here. So as we're doing that, it's a really opportune time. This is another thing that I would say, it's a really opportune time to re-educate people as we're trying to put them into this new habit of the why that, that we need to do this. And there's all kinds of things that you can address there. And a lot of them have to do with, with drift. Um, you don't have to look very far in the news, um, even, in the, even some in the secular news, to see the statistics about some of the effects of the pandemic, about the levels of loneliness that people are experiencing, the level of depression that people are experiencing. But then also the fact that people who have remained connected, even if it's virtually connected with a congregation, actually have experienced significantly less of, of those feelings. So that's one thing I think to help people realize, but also to help them realize that, that being together, meeting together is not just about alleviating feelings. There's a real actual spiritual dynamic that's happening here, feelings aside. Um, there, there is a reason why the writer of Hebrews told us not to forsake meeting together. Uh, and, and I think at least in part of that is because when we're able to meet together, it's almost like we prop up each other's faith right. when we're able to be there together. Um, I know it sounds a little bit strange maybe to say it this way, but boy, I, I, am, I, am, I feel more convinced of the things that I already know to be true when I'm with the community of faith and we are believing these things mm -hmm. together. 
And, and not only believing these things, but we're actually helping each other live these things, live these things out. So I think those things, uh, one is recognize it's a habit to be reformed um, so that we extend some grace here. Um, number two, as we're reforming the habit, take the opportunity to re-educate for the need for the habit to be formed. Uh, and then number three, I, I think it's just continue to continue to persevere, continue to persevere, continue to move forward. So some simple things like that. Simple things. Right. When we think about simple things, I think we often think back to the home. And I think a lot of people are kind of resetting those normal rhythms in their home as well. So how do we, as parents, as those who are leading kids, how do we begin a, a discipleship pathway with them to walk that process out? And I think this, I think it's a really, really great and important issue. And, and actually, one of the things that, that I think could be maybe by God's grace, could be redemptive about the time that we've, we've been in. Because if, if you are a parent who is a Christian, we just went through a period where whether you wanted it or not, the responsibility for your child's spiritual development fell to you because there wasn't a Sunday school class to lean on anymore or a youth ministry program really to lean on anymore. So whether you asked for that responsibility or not, you, you got it. And I think that there are a lot of parents who really took that seriously, who recognized, okay, if we're not going to Sunday school and we don't know when we're going back to Sunday school, we don't want our kids just to sort of fall off the radar. So maybe there are families who have just started doing, again, simple things, reading the Bible together, praying together as a family. And, and maybe this is one of the things that can actually stick even after we are meeting together in, in large numbers, uh, in large numbers again. So I, I think what I would say to a parent like that is this is one of the things that you want to hang on to from the, yeah. from the pandemic. And it doesn't have to be rocket science to be able to do it. All it, it really takes is just a, a devoted small period of time um, when you can talk with your children about the Bible, you can pray with them. Um, and it can happen at breakfast. For our family, it happens at breakfast. But I think I would also encourage parents in that environment to say, don't treat having a devotion time like that as the end game with your, your family. It's really not. It's not, like, uh, it's not like the secret to success that if we just do, it's not an equation. If we do X, then right. we know that Y is going to occur. Really, the goal of having a sustained period of time like that in your home is to create more organic opportunities to talk about faith. And I think that often happens, that if you regularly read the Bible together, if you regularly pray together, then you are more likely, when a situation comes up, spur of the moment, you're more likely to actually help your children see that situation through a spiritual lens because you, you're already talking about those things with, with regularity. Yeah, that's You've great. You've built a relationship to where you can have those conversations. Totally. So when we were doing the uh, second season of this show, we interviewed a ton of churches and what came out of it was a little bit of intentionality and a little bit of availability could build that relationship that could build that discipleship. So your, your latest book goes straight into this. Like it is a perfect segue into how can I do this in my family? Well, we've got a perfect book for you here. 
I, I, I hope so. We <laughs> uh, perfect may be overstating it uh, just slightly, just slightly. barely. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, just barely. <laughs> we've got a. It's a fine book. We got a. We've got. You've we've got, got, it's got eight words. Resource. Yeah, lots, quite a few of them. Um, it, but it is that it is. So, what what we wanted to do, what I wanted to do, um, is is to to see if we could we could take what we've learned as a family of trying to do discipleship in our home. And we could condense that into a, a, a really practical, usable devotion guide for families. And so it's, it's just come out. It's called The Whole Story for the Whole Family. And it is a, a year's worth of family devotions that walk chronologically through Scripture. And what I hope people find if they pick up the book is that it's super approachable, mm-hmm. that even if you've never done this with your children before, it's a very easy on-ramp. To be able to take 15 or 20 minutes uh, in, in a given day and actually have a time around God's word and a time to pray with each other. Yeah, and I think a lot of families are nervous. Like, where do I even start sure. with this? And so this is a great, great resource. I, I hope so. That's certainly where I was. So we, right. we've, by God's grace, we've been doing this as a family for, for over 10 years now, fairly consistently. But, but because my kids, my oldest is 16, that means there were six years there where we we didn't do this when we had children. So I was just like that. It was, for me, reading the Bible together and praying together as a family was one of those things that I always intended to do. Sure. But I just did I, It's like you just have trouble pulling that trigger because oftentimes you don't, you don't know. Where do, do I just open up Genesis chapter one and read a, read a chapter to my three-year-old? Is that, you know, I didn't, I didn't know. Um, and so the way that we put the book together really had that kind of family in mind. To where, again, it's really approachable and really achievable. And I think one of the things that's most helpful about the book is that every single one of the devotions doesn't just launch into the biblical text. Uh, There's always just a really brief object lesson or game or easy to answer question. Like there's always something at the beginning. Now, I, I should say the object lessons... It's not like the object lesson is, hey, before family devotion today, go and build a birdhouse. And bring, <laughs> bring, it's, not, it's not that. It's go to the pantry and get a box of cereal. Sure. This is what you're going to use for this little deal. And so, of course, it, then it relates the, to the text and you read the Bible together and there's some uh, two or three paragraphs of, of, of just teaching that you can just read to the family. But I think that that's helpful, too, in, sure. in that you, you actually have something to generate interest and excitement every single day that you do this whole year through the whole bible so that sounds a little intimidating so is is it seven days of content friday saturday sunday or what's the rhythm yeah that's a great question so i when we when we wrote this when i wrote this we I, i wanted to do it in, in a way that really reflected our family's experience. And, you know, may, maybe we are underachievers as a family, but the rhythm that we found for doing this was four days a week was really, really achievable for us. So what we say in the book is, you know, use this devotion guide for four days a week. And then on Friday, just take your devotion time and go around the table or the, the coffee table or whatever, and let everybody share one thing that they're thankful for and one specific way that the family can pray for them this week. And so you just give yourself some room to breathe on that day. And then we, and then we typically take off Saturday and Sunday. So there's, there's 52 weeks of that rhythm of four days a week. Uh, and it starts in Genesis 
and it goes through the, the storyline of the Bible chronologically. And so hopefully what kids are, are, are doing is not just getting exposed to the Bible, but they're actually kind of learning how the Bible fits together as one story. And we've, right. we've tried to make the content reflect that so that it's, it's talking about historically where these things fit in the timeline and that kind of thing. A deep dive into Chronicles, though. comparatively less time in the book of numbers than than in some of them yeah Yeah. michael you are one of the most wise and most humble leaders that i know and i appreciate you coming back uh to to be with us today something that we started in a closet and a podcast booth (laughs) is now turned into this i hope that that mary and chris shepherd this well with us so thank you it's my pleasure Thank you, guys. If you want to learn more about Michael Kelly, you can learn about that where. Uh, so I, I write about mostly about spiritual development and discipleship in different ways. So at work, uh, at in the family. So I, I write uh, almost every day at michaelkelly.co. .co. Um, and then, of course, if you're interested in the book, if people are interested in the book, they could they can go to wholestorywholefamily.com uh, and find it there. And then there's a list of all the different places that it can be purchased online from that one central hub. Well, great. Guys, we will see you next week.